I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casola. With me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy mid-February. Happy uh, President's Day post-President's... Happy going back to work after President's Day, I guess. <laughs> I did not have off today. I always have off Monday, so it was not <laughs> super special for me. Um, but, you know, hopefully everyone who does have today off that doesn't usually uh, duck to do something decent. Yeah, there you go, guys. I mean, hopefully you stayed safe. But yeah, in general, hope you maybe enjoyed a drink, spent some time with your family, did, some, did something out of the ordinary. Which, you know, spending time with your family is probably pretty ordinary if that's the thing you've been doing. But <laughs> Play a board that's something game you, you haven't played yet. Hopefully that's something you enjoy, because otherwise, uh, oof. Yeah. <laughs> rough, rough Monday for you. <laughs> I, I'm doing something something different by having the New York Knicks on in the background while we're recording this. So Uh-oh. Is that, that go me. Is that Knicks uh, hope creep? I mean, if the Knicks win today, they're they're like a half game back at the Celtics for fourth place. That's so goofy. Welcome to the NBA in 2021. This is great. I, 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 I think it's both funny, like how fall, far the Knicks, I mean, it's not anything new, but how far the Knicks have fallen to the point where like literally, at, like this is all it takes, like four games under 500, whatever they are. It's like, oh no, that's hope, baby. We're here. <laughs> and like, I appreciate like the Knicks have like really no place for like, uh, I don't know. There's just like no like Yankee like Yankiness, even though the, the fans probably cross over in a large manner. Like there's no Yankiness there because they just really can't be. Yeah, no, I think I've said this before. Knicks fans are among the most realistic um, in all of sports, um, just because they are they, they are smart basketball fans who completely understand like what the, the extent to which the like franchise has fallen to. The, 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 there's no sugarcoating that fact, um, and really like. If you exclude the 90s and the 70s, the Knicks have been a miserable franchise their entire existence. Yeah, I will say as a Nets fan, and like we've talked a lot about the dynamics there, but like the Knicks aren't super like, there isn't a lot of like inherent like uh, entitledness to them. Like, I think they just like wish they were good, but like, I don't get a, a super like, oh, we're the New York Knicks. We're probably the most, like when the Knicks are good, which is, as you said, pretty few, like few and far between in terms of like years the Knicks are like actually great. But like when they're like even flirting with it, um, you do get a really like united sense of the city versus like when the Yankees are good and the Mets are good. Like those are both really big things, um, but those are two very different fan bases. Right. And like the Nets fan base is both like you know it's small like the passionate like long term Nets fan base is small. There's a lot of of uh, of Andy Predlers out in the world. Shout out to Andy, <laughs> our our new my my new Nets compatriot this year. Um, but like people who've like adopted the team as like relative newcomers to New York as they are. Um, but it's like a very different thing. The Knicks like may have the biggest 
fan base in the city. It's just so dormant because they've been so bad for so long. Um, so it is interesting when they're pretty decent. And this year, like, I will say, I think that the enthusiasm between like Nets and Knicks fans is about at the same level, even though the <laughs> Nets are legitimate title contenders and the Knicks are like 11 and 14 or whatever. Those are about if, if, the if same. The Knicks, <laughs> if the Knicks secure a five seed, it'll be the second highest seed they've had since 2003. Yeah. And that's like, I mean, that would be incredible. And, and Thibodeau. Wild. Do, yeah. Thibodeau seems to be working out to like the level. Obviously, I think we all know like Thibodeau can be a really good coach, but there were legitimate questions about like, how would he handle a roster like this? And it seems like he's maybe evolved to a place where like he can run a team without like completely running it into the ground. Maybe like the expectations help him kind of not worry about uh, as much about playing like his star players, 47 minutes a game. Like, so that, I think it's an interesting thing. I hope the Knicks are decent. I, I've never really been like anti Knicks. And I think it would be fun to like have both teams at a level where there was actual like intercity uh, like intrigue because it just has never really been the case. Like people try to play it up, but it's, it's kind of fake. Um, so yeah, good, good, good for them. Hopefully, hopefully we get some of that in the years ahead. Agreed. Um, so we'll go from that New York basketball team to the other New York basketball team that we talk about consistently on this podcast. Um, the uh, Syracuse orange men's basketball team, a, uh, a squad that's won two straight Dan, they're 12 and six overall, um, which Sounds about right with where we thought they were going to be at this point, even if not the way we thought they were going to get there. They uh, they followed up a blowout loss to Clemson with a nice win at NC State and then a win over Boston College that was probably closer than should have been, but also comfortable nonetheless. Um, they got Jim Christian fired, something I thought would never happen since I thought the BC administration had just punted on being good at basketball at this point. Uh, BC is bad. It's <laughs> just like really wildly dist- distinctly bad. Um, Which is weird. Cause I actually feel like for a couple of years in there, like Jim Christian's teams weren't putrid. They were just not good. Yeah. Like they were like punchy. Like this team, like, this, this team this is just, is just, I mean, part of it is just COVID and some other like absences, but really, well, there, there's, like, there's an argument they shouldn't be playing. I don't think it's all their fault. Yeah. I mean, but, th- th- this team is hilariously awful. Yeah, it's uh, it's really rough. Obviously, this game uh, on uh, what was damn Saturday or Sunday? Saturday um, wasn't the same kind of level of like just utter dominance as the first game was, and like was it was one of those where like I don't think any of us were really under an impression that Syracuse is going to lose, but it just wasn't as pretty as we probably hoped, considering how badly we 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 beat them last time. Um, but at the same time, like when this Syracuse team looks like it's, it's like messing with and, and still like at a distinctly different level than a team, uh, that's not a great sign for that team. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. I mean, again, BC has really been pretty despondent uh, as, as a team of late. And I don't necessarily think, uh, you know, firing Jim Christian is going to help matters. Uh, not because he was, you know, an, an anchor for them or anything, but just more because I don't think this, had, I don't think there was much he, he even he could do uh, about this squad. Um, this year. So obviously we'll take the win. Um, I know, uh, I know Jim Behan did a little bit of crowing about like, it seems like criticism is ramping up after Clemson loss. It seems like they did some good things against BC, some good things against NC state. I think I'm happy to see them, but I do think that we probably need to see a little bit more against a better team. And that's kind of where like the Louisville game comes in on Wednesday. Uh, if folks remember, we had Louisville game postponed, uh, back on February 3rd, also a Wednesday game um, at home. 
uh, for Syracuse. That game was postponed due to COVID issues. It seems like Louisville is going to be down two scholarship players um, due to COVID this uh, week. We haven't heard who those players are. Um, that'll probably dictate a lot um, in terms of who's going to win this game. Syracuse could really use a quad one win. Uh, this is about as close as they're going to be able to get to it um, for the rest of the season. Duke is a maybe. Georgia Tech is a maybe. Louisville seems like the one that's like a, a secured quad one, barring some sort of disaster. Louisville also hasn't played in about like two and a half weeks. Uh, so that should, to some extent, be in Syracuse's favor. While Louisville will be rested, will also be potentially rusty because they haven't been able to practice in full um, of late. Yeah, this is one of those things where, like, the context of the game really matters between Louisville missing people, Louisville be having this really long layoff, and Louisville just not being that good. Um, but if we can get a quad one, it's probably the most important team left in our schedule. Obviously, Duke, which just lost uh, uh, Jalen Johnson, who is now opting out, slash if you ask John Rothstein, quitting on his team, um, <laughs> so which which also helps. Yeah. Nice like, yeah. Um, it's uh, it, th- These are all things where, like, None of these teams are that impressive as we've discussed, but if you can get a quad one win, I don't think people are going to be parsing things. Like we've seen this in years past when like there's an injury for one game, there's an injury for another game. Like it's hard to weigh all that in. And it's hard for people to, who are making these decisions to, to go so granularly into saying like, well, Louisville was missing two people and didn't play for two weeks. Like I think at the end of the day, when they're comparing schedules, they're taking a pretty broad view. So if you can get that quad one win and that goes down in the, in the, the tally sheet for you in that way, uh, it is big, and there are things, as we said, working in Syracuse's favor here. So it's arguably our biggest game of the season uh, tomorrow. Or tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow, if you're listening to this uh, live or on Tuesday. So I think it's the biggest remaining game, absolutely. Yeah, having it on the road, which has been a struggle spot for Syracuse. Um, Duke might end up sliding from where we are now. Uh, Georgia Tech, who knows, but like. Yeah, you need to you need to lock up something that like resembles a big win because I know that's been hard to come by both because Syracuse has struggled, but also because this the ACC is just ugh, just not great. Um, and the Vatech win really is like the only thing that kind of jumps off at this point. Yeah, I mean realistically, right now SU is ten and one at home. They're two and five on the road. Zero and four against Quad One. Two and one against Quad Two. Uh, they're seven and one versus Quad Three. Three and zero versus Quad Four. Um, a game we would love, and it's not going to happen, but a game we'd love to put on the schedule at this point would be Colgate, uh, who's all the way up at, I think, 11 now um, in the net rankings for weird yeah, reasons. Yeah, it's crazy. And, like, I feel like we've been talking about Colgate. Like, they've been hanging around at these weird, weirdly high net spots for a while now. We've been, t- I feel like it's been kind of bumped around the internet for, for, like, a month now. And it doesn't seem like there's any real push for it. I don't know what the machinations of scheduling that game is, but, like, We've seen these like late games that scheduled, but right down the road, it can't be like of all the games to like schedule what crazily late. Like this shouldn't be that hard of one. If I think it's a Patriot League issue interest. more than uh, more than a Colgate issue. That's possible. Uh, yeah, I think the Patriot, Patriot League is, is like, like very is very much trying to avoid like contamination of the like pool that they have right now. I get that. I just think like, and obviously we're we're, we're speaking from a distinctly like. Syracuse needs a thing. Colgate should help us for a reason for reasons that are totally clear. Um, but like, it just seems like an easy enough thing where, like, if there was interest on Colgate's part, like, it's not a long trip. Uh, Syracuse has obviously had their share of COVID issues, but like in the last month to like six weeks has been pretty decent. Um, aside from the story about the party, that who knows what the details from emerging from that will be. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's 
you know, it's, it'd be a very nice thing to have. But at the same time, it's very easy for us to say that and be like, yeah, well, also Colgate doesn't owe Syracuse anything. So, right. I mean, I guess the, the theory would be Colgate potentially help themselves out win or lose. Yeah. Um, just by having adding a better game um, to the schedule. But and also don't think like them losing to Syracuse would really hurt them. Like, I think no, it wouldn't. It, 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 if anything, it's just like, oh, they challenge themselves. Good for them. Yeah, it definitely doesn't seem like the worst thing for them. I mean, for SU, like right now, just having the 0-4, like, glaring, you know, quad one record, I think it'd be very hard to justify putting any team in the tournament, never mind just SU, um, in the tournament as net large without at least one quadrant one win. Um, and if you look at the other teams, like, hanging around our area, uh, net-wise, like, Minnesota's 4-7 and seven against quad one, Utah State's 2-2, two and two, Indiana's 2-8, and eight. Uh, two and four for UCLA. You got two and three for Colorado State, four and four for Oklahoma State. Like, not to go down the whole list, but like Louisville is the only other team right now. Louisville, San Diego State, who would be potentially on the bubble if they don't win the Mountain West. Um, yeah, Louisville and San Diego State, the only other teams would have a quad one win in like the top 50 or so. Yeah, it's uh, it becomes harder this year because we have so many, like, there's just so little in terms of like great non conference games across the board. So, um, Struggling like Syracuse has, especially on the road, does hurt it probably even more than it normally would because you didn't have a chance to really like run up the store early in the year. Syracuse has in years past where they've gotten off to fast starts. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, now again, we, we, we have the games we have. I know people have talked about the Clemson game potentially getting scheduled um, late because Clemson games are getting canned left and right. Uh, I think. I think SU might need it, but I also wouldn't necessarily push for it, given how the Clemson game went last time. Um, Clemson's also not like that elite of a team where like it's going to be worth the bump. Like it's if we if we lose to a nine seed Clemson, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be like worth the bump if we lose again. Like, it depends on like if we're like definitively on the outside looking in, right? But then at the same time, if we're definitively on the outside looking in, do like is there a great chance of us getting over the hump? Does it like it might uh, it might hinge on the ACC tournament anyway? So you, do you want to not risk like hurting your own seating there? It's it's tough. Like the 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 can be like calculus here is is very uh, tricky overall. Yeah, I would absolutely agree there. Um, but we talked about Louisville a bit, so why don't we dive in a bit more? And again, caveat that we don't know exactly who's going to be absent um, for this game. Syracuse has seemingly learned of late that they shouldn't be taking, you know, 30 plus threes and that there's probably some value to taking 15 to 20 or less um, if, if you're actually going to, you know, work the ball inside. Um, SU's been pretty good at getting to the line of late. I know I wrote a piece on Monday. Uh, I kind of looked at, you know, SU moving the offense inside the arc and, and we're seeing like a more efficient buddy, Beheim in particular, who's been hitting it at a better clip of late with fewer attempts. Just a view at the last, you know, four games, uh, 21 tries from three against NC State in the win um, at the Dome, hit 38%, uh, 20 tries from three against Clemson in the loss down there, uh, hit 25% of those, uh, 19 tries against NC State on the road, 42% um, hit on those, and then uh, hit 46% of 11 shots. Uh, so went five of 11 um, against BC. Uh, the 11 tries from three was a season low uh, for them, notably, for the most part, um, other than the BC game, really, when they when they have fewer attempts, they've been winning. Um, there's some exceptions there. I wouldn't say it's a it's a causation, for, rather just a correlation 
for the most part, but you're seeing uh, fewer threes and more uh, free throw attempts are usually resulting in wins for Syracuse. Well, um, you know, just letting them fly at, at a clip of 25 plus um, and not really driving the lane is, is usually resulting in a loss for this team. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, I think we talked about it last week. Like, obviously, there are games where this team is doing to get really hot shooting the ball, and that's great. And, like, when that's the case, just ride it. And we have, you know, some, some like, basically streaky shooters who can be very effective doing that. Like, there have been games in the past where buddies hit, like, six threes. There have been games where Joe's been gotten really hot and had 30 points. Sal Griffin, I think, is is probably a little, has a higher floor than those guys shooter, but, you know, can get really hot from back there. But we, I think I talked about last week, it's, it's really demoralizing when the team doesn't realize early on that it doesn't have it and it just wastes so much time trying to fill it up from the outside or just, you know, early in the shot clock settling for a long Joe Girard, uh, you know, 25-footer when you have Quincy Garrier, who didn't have his best game in its BC, but is such a physically imposing player, is really effective on the block more often than not able to to kind of maneuver inside and, and bully most of his matchups coming from the wing. You have Marek, who's a, a really, you know, unique, uh, creative player from the high post. You have Kaderi, who uh, continues to really impress. And he also didn't have his best team in its BC, but really gets things done and, and, and changes the look on teams really early. And I think while those guys didn't even have their best games, coincidentally, um, the approach, I thought, was much more effective here and like five left from 11 from three is pretty good they probably could have stood to actually shoot more but um they didn't get caught up in like making sure that was the only game plan they went early to attacking the rim um alan griffin was uh pretty uh aggressive joe um actually probably had one of his more interesting games where he only shot four threes and he led the team in shot attempts and it was actually more effective than he almost always is um, in terms of like driving, uh, shooting from the mid-range, shoot, uh, taking layups, um, led the team in scoring. So I thought that was an interesting approach from him. Um, well, he's, a good, a, he's a good free throw shooter too. So realistically, him getting to the line is only a positive. Just, yeah, you'd think that like he would try to force the issue more, kind of like Buddy does on occasion. And I think Buddy was doing more effectively at times last year uh, in some of his more effective games this year. Like that, he, he hasn't really found that like pull up uh, kind of like high post 12 footer that he was so effective with last year. You'd hope that he would get back to that, but Joe just finding that thing, which buddy didn't really do until his second year in college, um, finding something he can do to take advantage of guys off the dribble and find a way to score from the mid range uh, uh, consistently would just like add to his game so much because then he would be able to, um, you know, people would have to respect that part of his game, which I don't think has been the case so far. Um, but yeah, so I, I think, you know, I, I, it wasn't like the prettiest Syracuse team in BC, but I do think it's, it's, it's good to see that they're looking to try to take advantage of different things rather than just relying on like either Quincy's going to get offensive rebounds off misses, or we just have to get hot. And those are basically the two approaches, which 
um, you know, if they work great, but if they don't, you need to find like a counterpunch. And that's been the struggle for this team so often. And they, they did for the most part, it's this pretty bad BC team. So I'm fine winning ugly games. Like we, this team isn't good enough to, to get too down about the ugly, ugly wins. I don't think. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And you're looking at like, like from a free throw perspective, and I mentioned this in the piece, like, I, I think you probably want to, and we're seeing some of this lately. You, you, you don't want so many shots being, you know, trending toward the guards, uh, maybe Griffin. Like, I think it's fine for them to get shots up. That's not what I'm advocating for. I'm advocating for, though, more shots for the more efficient uh, offensive players in, in Gary A and, and Marek, guys who are able to score at the rim. And SU is one of the best teams at the rim in the country. And they're also able to, you know, get to the line um, at a reasonable clip. I mean, SU right now um, is, you know, top 10 in terms of uh, free throw percentage, something incredible for anyone that um, really attended Syracuse prior to like five years ago. Um, the, the, that the Orange could be a you know a top free throw shooting team. That <laughs> there were so few teams that really uh, made their bones at the stripe, and and I feel like this one, um, while the attempts aren't high necessarily, they have done a really good job uh, of hitting from the line. I'm looking at the game by game here. Uh, no game under seventy percent from the line, and that was just the Rutgers game. They hit seventy percent, seventy one against Bryant. Uh, most games have been seventy five percent plus. Uh, from the line you're seeing like you know take like the buffalo game and something like you and i marveled at after that one uh three of 19 from three uh so probably shouldn't have taken that many shots from out there but hit 76 percent of 42 free throws like i i just think early on in this season and again you're seeing it now and it's good it was pretty clear that this team was far better when attacking the rim um and, and going towards the basket um than they are outside and, and really if they keep driving and I think this is part of what was such a, an advantage on Saturday against BC. If you keep driving the lane, uh, you're going to start opening up space outside because defenses are going to have to get sucked in to make sure they protect the paint. I feel like, I feel like we've had some of our better free throw shooting teams like Recently. of recent memory just the last couple of years. And I'm really waiting for someone, and I hope it's Brent, uh, Brent acts writing a uh, really tongue-in-cheek, but not obviously so. <laughs> like, is Syracuse worse off when it shoots free throws well? <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Oof. i've been thinking about that for the last like two years like, that's an amazing it's really that, interesting that amazing that video for syracuse teams can really shoot free throws well um and i liked it better when they were bad at them because <laughs> these teams were better <laughs> the most well actually post yes it's like i know we've been talking about the free throw struggles for like two decades now but have we thought maybe bad free throw shooters are good Hear me out here. Huh? Well, some you know what, though? I, I, I will say the, the math to that makes some sense because – and I'm not defending it. Um, the math to that makes sense because realistically, Syracuse hasn't had a solid rim protector in the last five years. Like, I mean, they've had guys who can block shots, but they haven't had a solid – okay, solid rim protector slash, like, inside threat in a traditional – We haven't had – We haven't had, had, had AO a big, in a long yeah, time. We haven't had AO or, or, or Rack or Rick Jackson, a guy like that in the middle. Typically, those guys aren't good free throw shooters. They might get the line a lot, but they're not good free throw shooters. So realistically, we haven't had a traditional center who can play well offensively in some time. And I think that's think where that's, the correlation comes from. That is probably a big part of it. Because a lot of those, those teams had good free throw shooters. Like the AO teams had like a litany of effective free throw shooters. He just got to the line probably as much as any of them. Totally. Um, so I do think there is like a, a like, uh, some madness behind like my intentionally harebrained theory. Um, <laughs> but I, I do appreciate it. Um, versus like now where like the guys in the free throw lines are almost uh, exclusively guards and slashing forwards. Um, yeah, it's, it, 
you know, I, I do think they need to take advantage of that. It's like, especially with this team, with, with when you have efficient guys like Gary A, like Marek, who's a relatively efficient shooter because he doesn't do it that much. It's kind of like a, a quarterback, in especially in the, the NFL, where you could have a quarterback who throws like two interceptions on in the year, but that might mean that he's just dumping it off and he has like six yards of attempt. And, you like know, DeVito risk, years ago. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, he didn't turn the ball over for like the last like six games. Like, yeah, well, he also averaged 180 yards a game. And like, you'd rather him average 280 yard game a game and maybe throw an interception every game. Like, obviously, you don't want to go too far in the other direction, but there is like, oh, there's, there's something good about being willing to risk uh, certain passes because there's like a potential payoff there. Um, and maybe for that, for us, it's like Quincy Garrier shooting the ball 15 times a game. He's going to miss more. And his percent, his his efficiency will go down, but will it go down enough to offset like the extra points he gets because he's taking slightly more chances and he's um, just getting more opportunities? I, I think I would be willing to take that risk. Yeah, I, I completely agree there. Um, segwaying a little bit into Louisville before we I think we'll break for halftime and we'll finish the Louisville conversation. Um, of note, uh, Louisville is well, I'd say allowing that doesn't really have anything to do with them. Uh, Louisville opponents are only hitting sixty six point one percent of free throws. Um, that seems relevant to me just because of the fact that since SU was going to hit more than that uh, from a percentage standpoint, that that could help make the difference in what could be a very close game. And it's not, it, it, it's, it's not the, the end-all be-all of, of the scouting report. Um, I, I, I think, you know, obviously Louisville's, and we talked about this last time uh, when the game got canceled, uh, Louisville's not a great three-point shooting team. Uh, they defend twos to well enough extent they're a good defensive squad for the most part um i I think those are all notable uh the fact that they that their opponents don't necessarily block too many shots is also notable but realistically like that just seems to me like a very like weird kind of you know like advanced metric that says like oh well like realistically if su is going to hit at a higher clip because nothing the defense does has anything to do with whether you're hitting free throws um that you could potentially tack on a point or two to Syracuse's total compared to, uh, you know, a typical Louisville opponent. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Obviously, like, Louisville is going to have uh, some – I mean, we, we don't really even know what the full picture looks like with them because we don't know who's not playing. But um, I think we're moving farther and farther away from, uh, like, the the thing with Louisville where you kind of knew exactly what they were going to look like every year under Patino. Um, obviously, they have, like, strong guard play, which has been – uh, kind of like a you know a, a major thing for them for a while now. Carla Jones and David Johnson are one of the better duos in the ACC. But I think we're we're moving away from like the up tempo press, uh, really aggressive defense, uh, good slashers, like one big guy who can drive you nuts. Um, these teams are starting to look. I think just they're starting to t- to move away from like the the Patino patented look as as you expect with him not being there for a few years now. But I do think they scare me less than they used to. Unlike Pitt, where like Pitt will scare me no matter what. Uh, every time we play them, they could be zero and sixteen, and I will be scared for the first like five minutes of the game until they prove me otherwise. Um, no matter who the coach is, um, Louisville is is way better than Pitt on a year to year basis. Uh, even you know the last couple of years, but I, I do think the identity has shifted more. Yeah, I absolutely agree there. Um, Dan, we'll take a little break for halftime here, and then we can kind of jump back into Louisville, make some predictions, talk about some other stuff. Um, first, though, I did want to give a shout-out to our uh, friends at Homefield Apparel. Uh, you can go to Homefield for uh, licensed, comfortable uh, vintage merch. 
you can find tons of cool Syracuse t-shirts, sweatshirts, uh, a lot of great stuff that we've you know mentioned on here before. Um, also, if you have allegiances to other teams, uh, there's a good chance at this point, if they were a D1 school, or even some D2 or, or you know FCS schools, that you could find their merch there too. Uh, so you can get 10% off your order uh, using Noons 10 um, if you head to the site. I know um, one thing we were very excited about in the Noons Slack is the uh, Surfing Anteater t-shirt. For oh, UC Irvine, which is incredible, just just it's, just a majestic T-shirt that it's unlike any be their best shirt, and they've said that. Uh, I, I I've I've looked, you know, I don't know that I've looked at every shirt they've made. I've looked at a large number of them, just because when I was making my like random non-Syracuse buy, I browsed and saw who I wanted to align myself with via T-shirt. Um, the Anteater shirt was not out yet. I definitely would have bought one, but I think that might be their best shirt that I'm aware of, at least. And it sounds like the home field folks are at least like somewhat in agreement there. Yeah, I think I do need to get that one, although I don't know how I'm going to uh, legitimize an, another T-shirt being brought. This is house. where you need to start going behind your wife's back, opening up credit cards she's unaware of. This is this is um, a ter- this is terrible financial advice. Dan. <laughs> it's also terrible relationship advice. I've been, I've been re-watching The Sopranos, and I just got through the episode <laughs> uh, where, his, where Tony Soprano's old high school classmate gets like, uh, basically, like financially, uh, he owes Tony a lot of money after for gambling debts, and uh, Tony just starts running up uh, credit uh, credit card buys in his name, and then it's like, oh, you just have to go uh, bankrupt, and it'll be fine. Um, and that's I- I'm not saying that you have to do that with home field shirts. I'm just saying, you, you know, th- there's, sometimes you just need a shirt, John. No, I hear you there. Just, <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like a horrifying like offshoot to the dentist system. <laughs> Like I probably don't want any part of this has not been, this has not been actual advice for anyone. I do think if you are in the position to buy some shirts, we have a code for you and you can save some money and maybe that 10% will be the difference between your wife leaving you and not truth. So yeah, use means 10 <laughs> if you, uh, if you know, it's good for you, but uh, <laughs> now we move on to the actual halftime. So uh, Dan, what have you been drinking of late? Uh, I've gotten into some, some new stuff. Um, I don't remember where we left last. Okay, um, I've we have we're getting three Floyds in New York now, which is super exciting. Um, like a decent amount of three Floyds. It's kind of well, all they're over. pretty much putting all of their resources into canning and distribution now, right? Because they closed the um, tap room in uh, months. Yes, and like that's unfortunate. I'm sure the tap room was awesome for the local yeah. people, um, but like three Floyds was not a thing you could get out here until like the last couple months, and now um, you know I have a nice case of Dumbo Head sitting in my uh, fridge. So I had a bunch of Dumball Head, which is delicious. Um, also had some uh, Rye on Rye Maple from Boulevard in Missouri, one of my favorite Midwestern breweries. Um, hadn't had this before, but it's like a, you know, super winter friendly 13%, like what you expect, like a sweet uh, rye barrel aged, just really delicious, like winter warmer. Um, and then I'm currently down the Jersey Shore uh, and I picked up some stuff today before we hopped on. Um, got some Down Beach Effect from Last Wave, which is a brewery up in Point Pleasant, which is like a raspberry, vanilla, um, really summer-friendly sour. Uh, if I was able to go outside, I mean, I could. But if I was, if it wasn't 30-something degrees out and I wanted to sit in, uh, out uh, by the water, this would be like the perfect thing for summer. It's still quite good. It's like a really nice, fruity sour. And then I also, from Tartan Brewing, which is probably, I'd say, like the most, like, the, the most well-renowned New Jersey brewery, 
Um, their Dunning Kruger, which I hadn't had before, which is an IPA. And they tried to basically like their whole thing here was trying to make like a lemony IPA without actually using any lemon, uh, which is a fun experiment. Um, so they use lactate. Uh, they use a lot of like oats. Um, they use some uh, lemon drop hops. Um, and it really has like kind of like a milky, almost like a lemony milkshake IPA, but without any actual lemon used in the brewing process. And they did a pretty nice job with it. It's a super, super interesting, really like delicate, sweet IPA. Nice. Um, on this end, I had uh, Modern Times and a Fair State Brewing Cooperative up in Minneapolis. Uh, they collaborated for a full-size pony, uh, West Coast style IPA. I was a big, big fan of. It was a Mosaic, Centennial, Columbus, and Simcoe uh, hops. Really delicious beer. Uh, fruity, light, just enjoyable uh, for Modern Times. Uh, also had a cool zone with a uh, petite Syrah and Zinfandel grapes. Uh, it was a really light, like kind of a, I think it's 3.8% um, Saison. That was super good. Had a Barracuda West Coast IPA from Highland Park. Um, Highland Park also brewed a uh, kind of lighter version of Timbo Pills, which I mentioned before called Jimbo Pills. Uh, it was also very good, uh, lighter, more tropical. Uh, I had from Modern Times, I had uh, Abaddon, their uh, annual Hell's Lager. Uh, that they've been releasing for a few years. And then that was it for the weekend, really. Um, got a bunch of stuff from Modern Times in Highland Park lately, so I had a, a fridge full of uh, items to go through. Yeah, I caught some of those on, uh, I saw some of your posts on Instagram, and I'm always very jealous of all the Highland Park uh, available because I can't. <laughs> but seems these, like these, a... These things can be addressed, Dan. This is true. We can discuss. <laughs> so, Dan, back to Louisville. I think, again, a lot depends on who's absent and who isn't here um, in this game. I, I think if he's not absent, I'm very concerned um, about Jalen Withers. I'm obviously very concerned about David Johnson. Uh, Samuel Wilman, Will, uh, Williamson um, is someone who could really kind of, you know, eat us alive inside. Um, nine and a half per game, uh, scoring seven and a half rebounds per game. Uh, definitely seems like the type of guy who could you know, kind of take his part and maybe get us into some foul trouble early too. I mean, the, the thing we haven't seen a ton of, well, we have seen a bunch of lately, but it's not like as reported of a storyline is the fact that, um, you know, Quincy and Marek do get into foul trouble. That does cause some problems pretty quickly. Um, and then, you know, John Ball Ajax didn't look great in like a couple minutes uh, on the floor over the weekend. So I now doubt we see him for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think the one thing that, makes it a little more uh or a little less worrisome is like while they have some guys who can be effective inside Jalen Withers, Samuel Williamson, like there isn't like a huge size advantage here for Louisville. Like their big guys are not significantly bigger than us than ours. Like Williamson's listed like six seven to ten. So like that's not like a huge body guy. Obviously he's very effective inside, you know, just averaging almost ten and ten and eight. Um but it's not like the kind of guy who's going to like really be able to abuse uh Marek inside especially Jalen Withers is a little bit bigger he sits eight it's 230 but um yeah I think like hopefully this is not a team that's going to be as physically imposing obviously like they're pretty big across the board but it's not like they have uh that super physically imposing center who should be able to just push us around because like none of these guys are significantly bigger than like Quincy but they do have like a fair amount of depth which is a which is always a concern for us since we um choose not to <laughs> <laughs> also like Quincy is like our biggest guy 
versus yeah. if everyone's that size, then we have a problem. That's the problem. It's like if they have like four guys that size versus us having like one and a half. Then our, uh, you know, according to some other coach, our, our, our YMCA lunch, uh, lunch guys <laughs> and plus, plus, you know, a, a noted pizza fanatic and then a transfer from Illinois. So uh, just, just, just a real scrappy group out there uh, for the Orange. You'd think that this pizza fanaticism would have paid off like more. It, it it hasn't added pounds, which like I'm very jealous of. Does the Syracuse have like sneakily like the healthiest pizza in the country? Because like That'd that be could wild. be a selling point for a lot of things. It has not been a selling point for like the Marek Dolajai trying to bulk up from his freshman year experience. That dude just has the uh, metabolism of like the gods, except that it's working against him actively. Yeah, didn't he gain like 15 pounds like in off season? I feel like all that's like gone. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not like you'd be able to tell. It's it's and it's not his fault. I feel bad because like we've been, I feel like we've been having the same conversations about Marek since he got to Syracuse, in part because he's been like kind of the same player. Like he was really surprisingly effective early on. And he's not he's gotten better, but um, it's just been tough. Like I, it, it's so easy just to be like, well, Marek needs to put on weight. It's like, yes, yeah, some people can do that like way too easily, and some people just can't do it. So, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully, I don't know, can twin trees like start like double breading <laughs> their pies or something. I think we might just be out of time for for this. Like we just might have to accept that Marek is who Marek is as much as as much pizza as he eats. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, this would be a game where if we had Barama, I feel like that would be a really nice card. But uh, as Jim Bayham told that one guy in cameo, it doesn't sound like that's going to be the case. Uh, John Ball obviously didn't really help his case. Although I don't know that like the four minutes he played the other night should be determining whether he plays ever again. Oh, but it but, will. <laughs> but it will. <laughs> it's um obviously jesse gets in here and there but um also largely buried yes so yeah i don't know i don't know this is the game where it's going to be like the determining factor or not but uh i do think this is one where it would be nice if we had like that center they don't have to to just kind of swing the dial a little bit and if we had marama i I do think like we would kind of have kind of definitively like the size advantage here which is interesting because usually louisville does have that like really rangy center who really bothers us inside. And I don't really see that being the case this weekend or the, uh, not this weekend this week. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's fair. I mean, realistically like Syracuse is Syracuse is going to rise and fall on like foul trouble for the bigs. Um, and then how much they, they improve their shot selection. And again, I I'd say that shot selection has gotten better of late. SU's always like, you know, a, a, a cold streak for, for buddy or, or Joe away from you know jacking up 25 threes and hitting seven yeah and i'm also worried they're guards well they're not like great shooters david johnson's a good shooter um i do feel like carla jones and david johnson will find ways to be really effective in like inside working the zone inside out um johnson's the only guy who's like really concerned from outside he's the only one shooting above 31.1 percent on the entire basically on the team in terms of guys who actually shoot the ball with any regularity um everyone else Jones at like 31.1 and then everyone else is under 30. So that, that at at the very least shouldn't be a huge, huge factor in the game. Um, I don't think Louisville is going to be super effective going over the top. Um, But honestly, like that hasn't been a huge factor for Syracuse this year. It's funny. uh, The defense has not been great. um, Except that every game we get told about how we lead the ACC in steals and we lead the ACC in in three point percentage. It's like, well, it's almost as if there are other factors on defense. Yeah. I mean, realistically, like the steals thing, Steel's thing is because, and like, the Steel's thing come from just the way the zone's designed. 
in part. I mean, SU happens to be just very good at steals this year, which is great. I think like all five starters are in the top like 15 in the ACC in steals per game, which is like weird. You certainly take it. Yeah, you certainly take it. I also don't think it's like, just like there, there the, are other... the difference between the top of that and the bottom of that list is like not very large. It's also like while they turn the ball over or turn other teams over a fair amount, like there's just once you get the ball inside, it's it, it's you know people for in the three point era that if you can shoot the ball at the basket, that is still the most efficient shot in the game. Right. Um, and when Syracuse has no real uh, preventative measure from that being the most efficient shot, uh, when you even if you can't shoot threes because the zone can't really collapse effectively, it's, it's still uh, just a major issue. So like we can throw individual stats and this is both like broadcasting that we're on and also Jim Beheim after every game, you can throw all these individual stats all you want. But like, if you just look at the, like the uh, culmination of everything, it's just still not a great defense, which it makes it more frustrating when you're like, well, this one thing they're very good at. It's like, yeah, well, I just want to win games. <laughs> like <laughs> they could cut the steals in half if they, if they, were better at rotating over and also had more of an inside presence and that would make up a, you know, a huge amount. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Like it's not just one player. It's not just one position group. I think realistically it's, it's the team is not, the the team can play the zone to some extent. They could play it better. And, and, and when teams exploit that things go poorly and, and, and there'll be exceptions to that rule. There's some teams that will, you know, hit a ton of threes against SU. There'll be some teams that won't. Um, but it's 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 definitely it's definitely tough to 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 argue that that the overall defense is is good. Um, and I don't even think Jim is is arguing that um, for the most part. Yeah, it's just uh, I don't know. I think I think uh, we're getting like kind of Jedi mind trick to where it's like. Well, the de- I mean, it's obvious the defense isn't that good because, like, we watch the games and, like, the results are what the results are. Um, but to have it, like, the blame kind of attributed to only one position group um, when that position group is is light in large part because of Beheim's decision to only play certain guys certain minutes and also then to, like, miss, like, uh, redirect blame on the guards because of the steal numbers, like, yeah, I mean, the steals are fine, but it, it's it's certainly not all uh, the guards. It's it's obviously the lack of having a center that can play. Um, it's a big part of it, but uh, I don't know. I, I just think that like some of the 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 discussion around the defensive struggles has been lazy slash um, deflect like deflective, which I don't think is is fair to like just the full picture of where things are. Yeah, that's reasonable. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So Dan, I guess like we'll make predictions first, and then we can talk about what happens to stretch run here, maybe a little bit, um, or football, whichever. So, do you think SU can win this game? Yeah, I, I feel. I think I I picked us to lose the last. I mean, not BC. Um, what was the last decent game we had? Uh, uh, NC State. You picked us to lose last week. Yes, I, I was just not very confused. I opened up the Louisville schedule for some reason. Um, 
yeah, so we won that one um, more comfortably than I think anyone really thought. Um, I do think while it's been pretty ugly, we are like kind of strangely rounding into form. Like the Virginia game was really bad and the Clemson game was bad. But otherwise, like we have kind of sneakily won five of seven. Um, Louisville, I do think the layoff, like we saw the impact uh, of a long layoff for us earlier in the year. It's not great. Like it's not what you want at all. And potentially missing, like who knows who the two guys are. But they're, you know, the fact that we know about it, I think might indicate that it could be someone big. Obviously, that's all you know, it's all up in the air right now. But I do think if it was like a smaller deal, there's a chance that we wouldn't know yet. Um, but we'll, we'll find out. Um, I don't know. I have a decent sense about it. Um, I do think like this team is kind of due for one of these big road wins. And I do think like it just Syracuse is a little bit more going for it right now than Louisville does. Um, so again, nothing will really surprise me here, but I will do a, a narrow Syracuse win. Um, I'm going to go uh, 73-67. All right. Yeah, I, I think that I think that a lot of what you said was completely spot on. I, I think that this SU team it might have a little bit more momentum. They it, it was weird. I remember looking like this weekend and seeing that they'd won like five of seven. I just like completely, you know, just didn't remember that. It doesn't feel like it. <laughs> it certainly doesn't feel like it. Um, then you remember like how bad SU kind of started in, in ACC play aside from the BC game. Um, I, I do think that that Syracuse can pull off this win. Like if, if this team makes the tournament, I feel like the the numbers say that they need to win this game. But also, I just feel like in in the like the standpoint of you know SU basketball vibes, I, I feel like a team that makes a tournament like wins this game. If that makes any sense, and I think longtime viewers of the program will probably know exactly what I'm talking about without like any specifics. Like this just needs to be a game that 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 they take, and I, I think SU wins this game by the skin of their teeth. Um, I'm gonna go with let's say let's say 7169. I think it's gonna be that type of game. All right, all right, and then Dan, I guess look, looking at the rest of the schedule, like I you know we talked about the quad one setup a little bit earlier. SU's already won one of the last six games. Um, that, you know, we kind of talked about in the blog last week and maybe a little bit uh, last week on the pod too. Um, what's the worst record you think SU can finish with in these last five uh, to make the tournament? Because again, assuming we don't really know what we're getting in an ACC tournament, if anything. Um, so I thought we needed five of seven, but going into that NC State game, we've obviously won two. Um, so I guess like, I don't know, three of five still seems like it's really on the trust. I think four or five were in decent shape. Like then we're ending the year with what would that be? Nine of nine of thirteen. Like that's nine not thirteen. Bad. Potentially a couple quad. Like potentially you, you'd need two quad you'd, one wins in there. Yeah, you'd need a couple decent road wins. Um, three of five. I feel like it's like three and a half. Like it's it's tough. I think it depends on who they are. Like if you if they win Louisville, let's say they win at Louisville at Duke. Let's say they lose at Georgia Tech because that feels like a thing that'll happen. <laughs> and then win versus Notre Dame, lose versus UNC. Like, I feel like they still probably need an ACC tournament. Like, I, I, I there'd be a chance they'd get in, but I just don't think there's a lot of, like, there doesn't seem to be a lot of momentum for Syracuse right now in terms of, like, just getting over the hump in term, uh, in that bubble conversation. Um, now, a lot can happen between now and then, especially with teams, like, missing out in the tournament because of COVID, whatever else. Um, but I'd still feel a lot more comfortable with four. Like I feel like four, then it hard it becomes really hard to say like, yeah, what what like Syracuse hasn't has earned it when they've won so many games down the stretch, even if they've been ugly and and haven't really like looked the part. 
at some point that kind of you kind of overcome it there. Um, three, I feel like you can still like still make the argument they're on the outside looking in. So I, I think I think four, you look really good. Three is still a little bit suspect, barring like an ACC tournament. Um, but it's, I don't know. I feel like I have I have less of a feel for this team going into the and this, there's a million reasons for this, but usually I have a pretty decent feel for like these bubblish Syracuse teams and where they fit at this point in the year. This year I really don't. Um, it feels like everything's very up in the air. Which well, it's because so many of the bubble games, and that's kind of like what we're looking at the last five. Some of these bubble games have gotten taken off the schedule. Yeah, it's it's there's so many moving parts, and this is like not breaking news for anyone for literally anything in the universe right now. But it's uh, it's it's just really it's really tough to know. Um, and I wish I must wish like the NCAA had like or CBS or whomever put that together that top sixteen. Like if we had done a better look at the, I don't know. I guess it saps all of like the intrigue out of it. But if we had done a better look at um what the actual bubble is i feel like i'd be a lot more comfortable um so yeah i'll say four i'm gonna i'm just gonna stay guarded here and hope that's not the case and hope that we get a little more credit um but four feels like if we went and that's a big ask but if we went four or five i'll feel pretty good if we feel if we went three i think it really depends on who the three are and how things end up um if we can get like some of these acc teams locking in as quad ones uh, et cetera, et cetera. So just so many moving parts. I feel bad not being able to give like better analysis than that, but it's really just throwing throwing numbers at the wind right now. No, that's totally fair. Honestly, I I, I think I agree with you. I think you go four and one down this stretch here. You're in um, because like really the worst loss. You're. I mean, I'm I'm going by Ken Palm just as I was looking around there. Um, the last five games, you're not going to lose to a single team outside the top sixty, uh, which to me, like, you know, that, that, that means something. I mean, there's three games on the road here. There's definitely a lot to, to like about what the schedule presents us. Um, I think if they beat Louisville, then they get right away. If they beat Louisville, then you're looking at, they can go two and two in the final four games. Yeah. Louisville's definitely the biggest one. It just like, it sucks that Louisville isn't ranked like 11th. Totally. Cause then it would just be a very easy, like, okay, they, they've been playing, They've been winning games recently. They've won five of seven, and then they just beat Louisville on the road. Obviously, Louisville has some issues, but they're like a ranked team. And like the fact that Louisville is unranked, and I know that the the uh, the underlying numbers are better than that, but it, it really makes it hard to like gauge um, versus a normal schedule where like Duke would be ranked whatever they are, and Louisville would be ranked whatever they are. The fact that it's it's like we're kind of flying blind on so many of these teams, um, especially like Louisville, Duke, UNC, the three teams that you would expect to be these big factors just aren't, I mean, they are to a point, but they're not what they normally are. And that makes it really tricky because there is still some name ID there that I think counts for more than it probably should. But um, at the same time, it'll be very easy for people to put like kind of poo poo those wins if they happen because they've been like pretty disappointing teams overall. Yeah, I, I agree there. I think realistically, you know, when we looked at the schedule at the beginning of the year, you said, all right, like it's going to be really tough to go any better than like two and three down the stretch with Louisville Duke and North Carolina, two of those games on the road uh, to close out the year. Uh, instead we end up with, it's still going to be hard, but not in the same way um, or for the same reasons. So if you take Louisville win, and I, and I think that both of us, you know, are not super confident in that, but we think that there's a good chance. Um, so you give Syracuse that one, then yeah, let's say Notre Dame now gives you four straight wins going into the last three. Um, and realistically, if you're able to beat Duke or Georgia Tech on the road, I think that should that should largely do it because since we don't know 
really how many uh, mid-major tournaments there are going to be and small conference tournaments there are going to be. There's going to be a lot less in the way of bid stealing um, going on, and that should at least give Syracuse a much better you know, feel for what they're doing. I, I, I think that, relatively speaking, like you win one game in the ACC tournament, uh, that'll eliminate any like lingering doubt, and, and then you can hopefully like sneak in as a 10 seed or something. Fingers crossed, because I do think the Syracuse team, I mean, this is like always the case, and Bayheim was talking about it this week, but like this does feel like a team where if they if they actually start to like find their rhythm going into March, I, I don't think it's a team that anyone will particularly want to play because at their best, like they can be so good. Like that Vatech game, which feels like it was so long ago, like that's still a pretty good team, and they absolutely blitz them. And right. we just haven't seen that Syracuse this, this, that often, but it's there. It's like, you know, bubbling under somewhere, so... I do think this is a team that could make one of those surprising Sweet 16 runs. The Bayheim was kind of resting his laurels on recently. Um, but I do think it's a fair point. Like, I, I, I would be very excited to see what this team could do with the right matchups, um, which, again, always the case. But, you know, I, I guess that's what we have. So um, I would much rather, you know, find out than, like, have another really unfortunate March, especially after missing out on, like, potentially having a chance last year. Yeah, I, I agree there. I, I think realistically like if they can get in as a 10 seed i like us in game against the right seven seed i don't love us against any of the potential two or three seeds uh but you know what considering this team the expectation was never more than you know win a game or so in the ncaa tournament i i I think you you take that going away if that's what happens this year given all the you know strife and covid related issues and everything else We've learned enough. Like no one wanted us in Michigan, or no one liked us in that Michigan State team. And obviously that that SU team was very, a lot very different than this one. But um, better yeah, defensive it, team at least, for sure. And, but, and then Tom uh, Izzo is just an idiot when he faces his own. Yeah, I mean Izzo, a damn well. I don't think we'll have to worry about facing Michigan State in the tournament, <laughs> considering <laughs> they're just abysmal. Um, yeah, I mean it will be at least a feather in our cap to be like, oh, you want to talk about Syracuse's struggles? Well, uh, where are Duke? uh kentucky kansas michigan state uh, kansas make the tournament i think but yeah, kansas um, be fine. Yeah. everybody else though. uh it's i mean it's so crazy this year to, to like some of the names that won't be there uh duke might not even finish their season like if, i will duke even play us were they gonna all opt out by then <laughs> i mean i, I still want to smoke duke <laughs> Oh, I, I don't want them to. I want them to play. But right. I'm, I'm waiting for Coach Tay to be like, well, you know, we saw what the University of Maine did, and we just thought that was a really strong example for the community. <laughs> that sounds about right. I've always respected the Black Bears. <laughs> the noble bear. <laughs> the, the, the decisions he makes. Oh, God. Dan, anything else before we uh, head out today? No. Hope everyone uh, enjoyed their val- oh, Valentine's Day. That's probably the thing I should have brought up in the beginning um hope everyone had a nice weekend hope everyone's staying safe uh etc etc get get your you know hopefully everyone is is at least making working their way towards getting their vaccines i know it's a struggle out there but it's very important uh i actually got on the schedule in jersey uh so hopefully they don't change their minds on that but uh i'll have my first shot soon which feels crazy um but yeah very excited to uh hopefully move back to some relative normalcy in the next couple months and and just hope everyone is doing the things they can to have that happen on their ends. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, I, I have my own rant that I won't get into about California's like overly complicated uh, stipulations about different health uh, conditions oh. and this, th- this, but, but only if you're this, this, and this, and this, but only if this, this is a very New York, California handshake meme 
Newsom Cuomo. We don't we have to get into all of it, but I think everyone everyone who's listening, many of whom are from New York, were probably just nodding along, um, especially compared to our neighbors in New Jersey and Connecticut, who have been much more um, quick to open things up and just get it done. Uh, so yes. Yeah, ultimately the goal is to vaccinate everybody. So I don't really understand yes. why we're a, no, a noble, a noble. Again, I don't know. We didn't need to dive too far into this. A noble idea, but ultimately, like uh, realistically, we've kind of come to know how this works out. So yes, everyone, go get your vaccines when you can. Agreed, agreed. All right, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you everybody for listening to Troy News and Absolute Podcast. And rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Megaphone, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, and go orange. Orange.